Who's Dexter? And it goes Sister Didi. Oh boy. Wonder what they're gonna get into today. Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. You are listening to the Dugout Sporty episode 3 of the US edition with your host, Blaze. And we have a banging show to come up with plenty to talk about. The Euros has finally kicked off. Like, it's it's now a notch higher than what it was during the group stages. And we are into the round of 16. But due to my poor management, and uh, for some reason I didn't know how to plan this thing out, my episodes come out in the middle of a round. Like, let's say, now, when this is coming out, we will be waiting for the last game. And I still have to go through the last match day, some a few of the last groups that were played. I still have to go through that one in the group stages. But I will make sure I condense everything in like 30 to 45 minutes as usual uh, to make sure you get the full experience. So sit back and hopefully this will turn out to be good. Before I forget, make sure you share this with your friends, your nan, your grandfather, anyone that you can practically get your hands on make sure you share with them this podcast like subscribe whatever it is that they do that you do with podcasts and it's available on all platforms that you can ever think about so yeah let's get started so i will be going through the last match day of the group stages the last groups that were played because i didn't talk about them in the last episode so i'll try and condense them in this episode yeah so we kick off this episode with the group d where we had england croatia czech republic and scotland and the first game was czech republic versus england okay not necessarily the first game because they were played at the same time and croatia czech republic versus england ended in a 1-0 win for england once again saved by raheem sterling and he's proving to be just just valuable to this english team he scored their only They've only scored two goals in the three games that they've played and both of them have been scored by Raheem Sterling. There were changes to the England squad with Saka and Grealish coming in for Mason Mountain, Phil Foden and they proved to be just what Southgate will, should be doing each and every game because they came on and were absolutely amazing especially Bukaya Saka. His foot and people were, someone mentioned this and brought it to my attention just how good the footballing iq for saka is and he knows he 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 just has the perfect timing and knows when to hold on to the ball and when to release it and stuff like that and that usually doesn't come with doesn't doesn't just happen to uh come with uh for anyone and especially a young player who's playing who's i think at 19 or 20 years old having that kind of ability to make the right judgment and the correct call whether to release a pass to hold on to the ball it's it's just amazing and that's why Bukayo Saka is highly rated and Jack Grealish also was instrumental in this win because his um his assist got Sterling the goal courtesy of yeah Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish partnering up then Bukayo Saka was also involved in the build-up to the goal so that's just how good there was so what i'm thinking is um garrett southgate has has compromised his attacking uh attacking abilities for defensive because they haven't yet considered a goal in this tournament i think they're, they're like the only team that has it considered 
and at the expense of scoring goals obviously defensively they are very good but yet again i they have met croatia so this game against uh against Czech, against Czech Republic in the last game ensured they finished top of the group and were going to face Germany who also proceeded from that group I'll talk about you see this is the reason why I'm saying I have poor management and poor planning because this it's it's all confusing at the moment but England faced Germany which I'm going to talk about later then in the other game of the group Croatia versus Scotland Croatia turned up when needed the most especially Luka Modric Nikola Vlasic opened the scoring in the game in the early moments of the first half but that goal was cancelled out by Callum McGregor for Scotland scoring their first goal ever in a tournament for the first time in 22 years and it seemed like Scotland were going to were going to cause trouble and cause an upset to proceed ahead of Croatia but Croatia's Croatia's um, quality pulled them through once again Croatia came out in the second half with fires fire in their bellies and they were able to pull through with Luka Modric scoring an absolute wonder goal with his outside outside of his left boot to find the goal past David Marshall and make the game 2-1 and Ivan Perisic was at hand to put the game to bed in the 77th minute I think uh, scoring making it 3-1 yes so once again Croatia's quality pulls them through in a game just the way they did against Czech Republic and they qualified on second place. It's heartbreak for Scotland in the end but they can be proud of their achievement making it this far into the tournament into for a team that hadn't qualified for a major tournament in 22 years. I think they can be proud of their performances in both games apart from Lyndon Dykes. I, I don't think like I said last time, Lyndon Dykes isn't a very good striker and I don't think he should be carried for the next tournament that Scotland are going to. And they will, by the way, they will. Uh, from now on, this is like their style, launch of pad because um, in terms of quality, Scotland can't produce enough quality players because most of their players play the Premier League. And I think with that kind of quality that's coming out of Scotland, they still have a chance to make it into another tournament and hopefully make it past the group stages. So in the end, England won the group followed by Croatia, then Czech Republic and then Scotland. So that was group D. Then we had the group E where we have Sweden, Spain, Slovakia and Poland and the first the games that were played in the last day was Sweden versus Poland and Slovakia versus Spain. So I'll start with the Sweden versus Poland. So on this final day, I was struggling to watch both matches and listen in on in class at the same time. I hope my dad doesn't hear that. But I was struggling to watch both of them and listen in class. But um, for the Sweden and the Poland, I was lucky to watch every each and every goal go in because some people are complaining about switching up and missing all goals every time they switch. But Sweden versus Poland, Sweden prevailed despite losing a two-goal lead to Poland where Robert Lewandowski finally, finally came through for his team, but it just wasn't enough. And I think this for the first time was the first game I saw Sweden look defensively fragile, but they, they managed to pull through Victor Klassen coming in clutch with the 94th minute goal and setting Poland out or crashing out of the group stages despite showing a spirited performance in the last two games. 
Robert Lewandowski, as I mentioned, he scored, I think, of beauty. The first, or was it the second goal? I, I think the first goal was from long range. It was a long range effort beating, um, what's his name? I don't know the... Yeah, Robin Olsen uh, in, in Sweden's goal. So, Robert Lewandowski definitely uh, a contender for the goal of the uh, goal of the match day of the week rather in this podcast so poland was set crashing out then in the other game slovakia versus spain spain finally finally found their shooting boots and they put five past slovakia a standard performance from pedri and sergio busquets with busquets winning the star of the match if i'm not wrong and pedri i think he's growing into this game because each and every game he's getting better despite playing almost every game for barcelona last season he has been world-class in this tournament so far and he's only going to get better and this game was a must win for spain because a draw or a loss would have meant not proceeding to the round of 16 but they managed to score five past slovakia i've already mentioned that and the first miss the first goal was a mistake from martin dubravka who scored an a very, a very nasty old goal i don't i don't know how he managed to to do that because the ball was flying in like from from the top he's watching it but he decided to smack it into the goal i, I have no idea how he managed to do that now the second goal i still blame dubravka for his mistake because he wasn't tracking back fast enough to prevent laporte from scoring so the ball was sent to the back post then decided um who's this guy um martin dubravka decided to go for it then decided not to go for it and decided to track back but he wasn't tracking back fast enough and laporte was in free space to head in his goal his first for spain i don't know if it was a headed goal there were so many goals scored in that game so laporte scored his first for spain after spending years in the wilderness at france he finally switched nationalities and got a goal against uh, against uh, slovakia for spain pablo sarabia ferran torres um they scored then they there was a there was an old goal by kutska and which meant spain won five nil if i'm not wrong i'm losing things at the moment but um morata's bad luck continued as he was subbed off and right before he was down to the tunnel ferran torres scored so you, you can just imagine how bad his luck was at the moment but after his performance morata's performance in this game he faced abuse and his family was sent threats which i'm going to talk about later much later but i don't think i as a as a human and as a normal person it's, it's definitely not justifiable sending threats to a player because of his bad form or the fact that he's not scoring it's it's never that deep then in the group final group the group of death group f we had france germany portugal and hungary and france by the way lost yesterday night in a very proper game i'm going to, i'm going to get into that but uh the final games portugal versus france then germany versus hungary so for the portugal versus france produced another classic that we had anticipated there were three penalties in a single game just to show you how how mad it was and benzema scored two ronaldo scored two and ronaldo extended his goal scoring tally to well over 100 and what i don't i don't know he broke some kind of record i'm not even sure but i just know he scored a boatload of goals but it wasn't enough to win the game and this group was mad because at at, at some point at one point 
apart from France, the other three teams were at the, on the verge of being eliminated. Just one goal scored in either game would have changed the outcome totally and it was just mad. It, it was a mad game. And I think Portugal going forward need to learn how to dominate games because you can't you can't depend on counter-attacking football for the rest of your lives and they needed to start they need to start dominating games it might have worked in 2016 and they were lucky to let i'm using lucky loosely but it worked in 2016 sitting back just soaking up pressure then hitting your opponent on the counter-attack it worked in 2016 but in 2021 i don't think and in the long run that doesn't work then in the other game germany against hungary it was hell because it was hell for germany because hungary scored first then germany equalized then immediately immediately after germany equalized hungary went on to score another then germany were now on the verge of being knocked out because portugal on the other side were drawing with france and hungary had the chance to qualify for the round of 16 but leon goretzka popped up with a goal to save a point for germany and get them through into the round of 16 as team number two which means they will be facing england now that's the game that's being played today when this podcast this episode comes out germany for for people who watched germany back in the day they people who clearly have have a problem with nostalgia they say germany is not the way it was and it's it happens to be true because it's not they're not as strong as they used to used to be but i think that's nostalgia playing for most people but in most part that's that's a true statement but germany at the moment they don't look necessarily as strong and convincing to knock out england and if the if england plays their cards right they might knock them out now look i'm getting into this instead of waiting later later on but germany proceed into the uh, the round of 16 which we are going to be talking about now so the first game of the round of 16 was Wales versus Denmark and Denmark absolutely demolished the Welsh with a 4-0 uh, win courtesy of Kasper Dolberg's two goals and Joachim Mela and this guy Martin Brathwaite getting a goal this win made Denmark the first team at that point to score four goals in back-to-back -back games and for Denmark, I think it's a, it's an absolutely special team because considering what had happened to them in the first two in the first two games they had lost and the emotions in the both of the first two games uh, of the group they lost, but they won the, la the last game comfortably, winning 4-1 against Russia. Then into the round of 16 against a very fancied Wales because Wales also had a relatively good performance in the group stage, but. Denmark absolutely demolished them 4-0 and yeah it was a game for the ages also when the game started Wales had a very good had a very good opening like 15 minutes when they were pressing and pressuring um, Denmark Denmark's goal but Denmark eventually settled into the game and produced a moment of quality by Kasper Kasper Dolberg in his first goal because it was a thing of beauty in the build-up and another player who was uh, who performed very well was Damsgaard who got the assist for um, Kasper Dolberg's first goal a long-range effort passed past, past um, Danny Ward in the Welsh goal 
Then in the second half, the Danes decided to go on cruise control because uh, Kasper Dolberg scored a second in the 48th minute, his second in the 48th minute. By the way, he had a very good, that's his first start in the Danish team and he scored two, clearly repaying the manager's um, faith in him. Then the third goal came late, late on in the, in the, in the second half with Joachim Mailer scoring a goal. Then Martin Brathwaite at the last, had the last gasp goal with um i think a minute left on on added time to score make it four nil and uh brathwaite has been has been good this tournament definitely not a barcelona caliber player but for denmark he's doing the right things he's making the right movements and he's he's been absolutely quality for the danes and going forward i think he will be instrumental in the danish run into this tournament as of now they've done wonders reaching this far into this tournament for wills they had harry wilson sent off then nico williams had a terrible game and i'm mentioning uh, both of them because they are liverpool players and i'm a liverpool fan but um generally wills didn't turn up to that game and the Danes were just in control throughout the entire game. Massive shouts to uh, Joachim Mela and Damsgaard. They had a fantastic game and they've had a fantastic tournament so far. Especially Damsgaard and yeah, and Mela. Yeah, they have had a very good um, uh, tournament. And for Mela, as a fullback, and I think this for as it has been a tournament for the fullbacks and Mela just is one of those fullbacks i'm mentioning because he's very good Mela, spinazzola uh, dumfries all of them they have been absolutely performing this entire tournament for damsgaard if he gets a big move this summer that team that's buying him he's definitely getting a very a very good player and uh Hopefully he will get a big move and we will get to see more of him in this big in these big big leagues, big one of the top five leagues. The other game that was played on Saturday evening was Italy versus Austria, which tactically this was one of the most probably the most entertaining game of the Euros, tactically speaking, because the other games that have we have seen yeah definitely out out outclass this one but in terms of tactics and quality austria versus italy was one of the best so italy had federico chiesa and matteo Pessina to thank to uh to thank for their for their progression because they came on in the second half in yeah in the second half and they scored two goals in added time in extra time to make sure to ensure italy went through but not without a scare because austria scored and their their goal right before like like right before uh, the end of the first half of extra time which set up a 15 minute period of absolute chaos one thing i noticed and marveled at uh, with austria is their intensity and the pressing throughout 90 minutes they are definitely a very well well drilled side by franco forda and the thing with austria is nowadays it's not just a david alaba team because it's diversified and it's more balanced at the moment they had a midfield trio of um let me check let me check uh christoph baumgartner if i'm not wrong then uh sabitza and christoph Lima. Is that his first name but lima yeah that midfield trio just behind just behind anatovich was absolutely amazing that midfield trio cut out every passing line 
every space that Italy were being given in the first the first three games, they made sure they cut out that that um, those spaces and those passing lines. And one thing, uh, Nicolo Barella and Verratti were given minimal time and space, which exactly that that is exactly um what the outside needed to do just cut the, those passing lanes and therefore Ita- Ita- italian forwards won't have that much to do then their wing backs also won't have that much of an effectiveness because they don't have space it's been covered by both the, the, the three that have mentioned in the end austria were left through their chances when um marco Nautovic scored in they were actually the first ones to put the ball into the back of the net but it was called off for offside which was rightfully so and this game demonstrated just how bad Premier League referees are it was a clear offside yet they were taking their sweet time almost five minutes to decide whether it was um whether it was offside though even here from home we could tell that was an offside goal Austria didn't let their heads drop and they continued battling and they defended well to go into extra time but quality off the bench for Italy was amazing and it proved to be the nail on the coffin when Matteo Piscina and Federico Chiesa Federico Chiesa deserves to start to start by the way and I don't get how wasn't starting more, more matches for for Italy but his involvement in the game made Italy better and the more penetrative and more direct and he led his first goal of the tournament was an amazing goal then this because for the first touch and because now i'm i'm remembering it the first touch the second touch and the shot to put it past um past the goalkeeper it was it was absolutely amazing but this for the first time was uh, for the first time we saw Italy look seriously under pressure from an opponent in this tournament and they haven't had that much competition in the group stages but this one they they looked clearly they, they were given a rude shock but they managed that's that's the thing they managed to pull it out and Mancini's record um, extended to 31 games unbeaten for Italy which is their longest run in like forever and we wait to see how they get to fare in the next game which they're facing belgium i'm going to talk about belgium later on yeah actually it's the next game i'm going to talk about after this one so the next game was played on sunday netherlands versus czech republic and bookies and everyone including me had a win for netherlands clearly this tournament hasn't taught me anything not to underestimate the the so-called quote-unquote underdogs in this game checkmate Control Alt, Delict, whatever headline you can think about, pissed it here because it all happened and it all went down. So Netherlands had a game to forget with them losing 2-0 to Czech Republic and having a red card because Matthias Delict decided to yeah to do his thing. And so all round, Netherlands were very poor. Daniel Malin despite being their best attacking option he had been very poor in the game same with uh, memphis depay then to make matters worse frank de boer frank de boer I, I highly doubt that guy is an actual coach and i doubt he actually has his his badges because when he was in the premier league he lost seven games he played seven lost seven scored zero goals and led to him being labeled by jose Mourinho as the worst 
manager in the Premier League and this game showed just how bad he was because the substitutions he made despite at the time um Matthias Delict got a red card he decided to remove Daniel Malen who is your outlet your chance to score your best attacker in the game at that moment he decided to take him off then after going down 2-0 that's when he decides you're in timber now is your time to go in as a defender you've already conceded two goals what's the point of putting in a defender for another defender it didn't actually make, make any sense Gene Vinaldam also didn't have a very good game because i saw a start and he managed to um he managed to find 10 passes only in the entire 90 minutes 10 that's all 10 completed passes as an attacking midfielder that's very poor from him but overall the entire team was very poor and Czech Republic took advantage of the um the red card by Matthias Delict when um Holish scored the first goal then Patrick Schick added the second goal and he's on fire by the way so he's in the running for the top scorer after Ronaldo was um, eliminated with Portugal so now Patrick Schick is on four goals and Ronaldo is out after scoring five goals but um Czech Republic look absolutely immense and terrifying for anyone who's going to meet them in the round of uh, in the round of eight that's the quarter finals and Netherlands so they have to pick up the pieces from this tournament um definitely they miss uh, they miss Virgil van Dijk but that doesn't mean you have to crumble at that because they had a very easy group then in the bracket they were put in they had a very easy chance to get at least to the semi final but Frank de Boer happened Matthias de Ligt happened and Netherlands are out so congrats to Czech Republic for a very fantastic game and a very entertaining one at that then the other game of the round of 16 the battle of the big ones Belgium versus Portugal Belgium winning 1-0 and knocking out Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal and um yeah it was a mad game Thorgan Hazard scored a very good a very good long range effort by now you can tell I I I love long range efforts but Thorgan Hazard scored the the goal but Rui Patricio should have done better cuz it's in the middle but um I can give him a leeway because the ball was swerving and he hence why he didn't he didn't manage to get it but Thorgan Hazard uh, what a goal by him that goal came in the final final minutes of the first half and it was an absolutely good goal but in the second half portugal came out firing firing because you know the the tournament is on the line and they had plenty of chances to equalize and they get the and get the winner with rafael guerrero's uh, shot hitting the post ruben diaz's header very good header was punched out by um tibo kotoa who was once again immense in a tournament surprise surprise he's very good and belgium were clinging on in the last in the last second half they were in the second half rather they were clinging on to the um, their lead and one thing as as a normal I'm, i'm assuming if i've noticed there's even coaches professional coaches who have way no more knowledge on football than i do if you are defending a 1-0 1-0 lead 
you have to keep possession that's that's a that's a no-brainer you have to keep possession you can't give the opposition the possession but that's exactly what um belgium did they were surrendering possession to um uh to portugal and portugal had 23 shots on goal but they were unable to score and Belgium equally had chances to put the game to bed, uh, namely Yannick Carrasco when he came on, he had a chance to square the ball back to Lukaku but absolutely messed it and had to make Belgium do it the hard way and grind out the result basically. But hats off to Belgium because they look very strong, they look convincing, uh, their defense has performed better than I actually thought because I knew with an aging defense they were going to be spun round and round by Diego Jota and Bernardo Silva and Cristiano Ronaldo but that wasn't the case because uh, Diego Jota was absolutely atrocious in that game and um, yeah the, the entire tournament hasn't been good for him. I think for Belgium, uh, for Portugal only Cristiano Ronaldo and Renato Sanchez have had a very good tournament. The rest of the team, uh, subpar, not not performing to the standards we had expected of them. Belgium, on the other hand, had Togan Hazard and Thomas Mounier on the flanks, and it was it worked wonders for them. In the first half, they were pressuring and they had numerous chances. But as I said, defensively, they were all solid, both of them, and they were doing the job. But in terms of attack and keeping possession, that's that's the only thing that that was bad. That's the only stain in um, uh, Belgium's game. Then came Monday evening. This probably in terms of a, a day in football, this was one of the best, and I'm glad I watched each and every minute of it because starting with the Croatia and Spain game, that one again caught me while I was in class. I had to sneak. I had to sneak in watching it at the same time listening in because it's online but uh the first game croatia versus spain ended 5-3 in after extra time and spain narrowly narrowly making it into the into the quarterfinals with a win against croatia and from the word go um spain were on the attacking side they set their pace for the game but against the run of play um, Pedri's uh, long-range pass back to Unai Simon and uh, Unai Simon made a meal of it and decided to yeah not be a goalkeeper for a second there and allowed it to go in so that goal was registered as a Pedri own goal but Spain kept grafting on and they scored two Pablo Sarabia um, as Piliqueta who by the way that's that was his first goal for Spain and Ferran Torres uh, in the 78th minute seemed to, put, to have put the game to bed but that was not to be it because um, Croatia dug themselves out of that grave with uh, Mislav Osic scoring in the 85th minute and Mario Pasalic five minutes later or rather like yeah five minutes later in the 90th minute scoring the leveler to take the game into extra time. So. 10 minutes into extra time, Morata gets a very good opportunity to score and he takes it full full. Like it came and he decided, you know what, this time I'm not I'm not taking any chances. First touch was absolutely brilliant. Then the second touch, the volley into the back of the net, absolutely amazing. Then substitute Mikel Oyathabal came in and put the game to bed. Three minutes later after 
after what's his name what's his name after Morata scored and put the game to bed fin- finally to bed in the second half of the extra time um Croatia threatened but um Spain were, man- were able to manage to hold on to the 5-3 lead and set up a very good encounter with the winner of the France versus Switzerland now that game was another mad one because um Switzerland first goal against the run of play once again and um it was scored by Sferovic um a header over Lengley who by the way I hope people are seeing just why Barcelona fans don't like Lengley because each and every single time he goes for an aerial ball he gets beaten and this time he was beaten by Sferovic who had no reason to get a header over Lengley then at halftime uh Didier Deschamps did what he needed to do and brought on Coman for Lengley now uh France were back to a back four with Coman playing on the on the left hand side and he did exactly what Rabiot was unable to do in the first half just make overlapping overlapping runs over over Mbappe and Coman proved to be absolutely instrumental but first there was a period of like four minutes of absolute chaos in that game where um Pava considered a penalty yeah then um Ricardo Rodriguez steps up to to take the penalty but this guy hasn't scored the last three penalties that he's taken he's missed all of them and doesn't those statistics don't um, exactly give you uh doesn't inspire anyone so steps up to take it um this guy Hugo Lloris uh Hugo Lloris or whatever however you way you decide to mention his name stepped up to save uh France from it then France go on the other end and score through Karim Benzema then two minutes later Karim Benzema scored we finds himself yet again on the score sheet after a brilliant first touch to put the ball into his path and chip it chip it over the keeper Jan Sommer then as the half wore on Pogba had his moment of brilliance which by the way he's he's been performing very well in this tournament but this goal capped his tournament just how good he is with the world I, I can't explain how good it was just know it was that good because I don't know if you missed it because who, who misses such a game but Pogba scoring that worldy seemed to put the game to bed but Sferovic had other ideas scoring in the 81st minute meaning the pressure was back on France and they had to defend without um uh yeah they had to defend and they were not doing a very good job of it because um what's his name Gavranovic had his chance to score and he took it beautifully one the pass from granite jaka from deep in midfield was absolutely amazing and Gavranovic did the rest sending out kimpembe and scoring past hugo loris to make it 3-3 and heading into extra time the second game heading into extra time in extra time not much to report about which set up so extra time no one scored which meant we were going into penalties now in the penalties everything went down switzerland took their theirs first and they scored the first five that they had and it all boiled down to Kylian mbappe and sadly to say as as i'm assuming watched it he missed his penalty and which meant france were out there was a moment of um there was like a second where everything stopped and no one knew if 
the goal was uh the penalty was going to be taken retaken but um the officials deemed Jan Sommer on the line and saved the penalty which meant France were out a couple of takeaways from this fr French team and one not um their lack of uh, left backs through injuries uh, severely cost them in this game because they had to resort to a battery in the first half and it was absolute chaos. Didier Deschamps rectified it bringing on Kinsley Coman but then he absolutely ruined it taking out um, who's this guy Griezmann because he brought out Griezmann brought in Sissoko to quote-unquote solidify his um, the scoreline and plug out those pieces that um, Switzerland are constantly finding but now Switzerland have equalized you are going into extra time and you have Sissoko instead of Griezmann now you see the problem there and totally capitulated for um, for France and as world champions they were knocked out proper favorites they were knocked out and um, sad day for France and for me personally because I, 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 I had gone with them as their I thought they were going to make it into the uh, the final, but clearly they weren't going to make it. So, which this that result set up for the first time Switzerland have made it into the uh, into the quarterfinals of a tournament since 1954. So you can imagine just how major that is. And this result set up Switzerland versus Spain in the um, what's it the quarterfinals. Then the other game, Italy versus Belgium then Denmark versus Czech Republic so we have two games left two teams left to know which round up the, the final games of the quarterfinals and today it's England versus Germany then Ukraine versus Sweden so England versus Germany better better produce something better than what we saw yesterday because they have a hard task at doing that we move into the transfer season where everything seems to be kicking off at the moment where and we start with Manchester City who had a bid for Harry Kane and Jack Grealish rejected both 100 million rejected by Tottenham and Aston Villa respectively so for Jack Grealish I both for both teams I understand why they are denying the, the they don't want anything to do with selling because these two players are the star players for their teams and Jack Grealish especially Jack Grealish going away from Villa will take an absolute monster deal for him to go from his boyhood club to Manchester City but if there's a team with enough money to land both of them definitely it's Manchester City speaking of Aston Villa Arsenal uh, they have been bullying Arsenal in terms of getting um, their signings and they've been trying to get Emil Smith-Rowe so far they've had two bids rejected and I think it's going to go through because a team doesn't bid this much if they don't think they're going to get that player and Arsenal at the moment are being whipped about by Aston Villa. Aston Villa got Emiliano Buendia ahead of Arsenal and now they are trying to get Emil Smith-Rowe from Arsenal so you can imagine just how bad it is. Arsenal are also in the running for signing um, this guy Ben White from Brighton and Brighton had mentioned a 50 million price tag which is the English tax because he's an English defender but he's that Ben White is that valuable to um, to Brighton so I totally understand the evaluation of him then Arsenal also are looking to sign Aaron Ramsdale who has a history of being in the team that gets relegated he was relegated with Bournemouth and relegated with Sheffield so 
I don't know if Arsenal are not afraid of such a thing happening to them, but they are interested in him. Same as Andre Onana, but obviously the obvious option is going for Andre Onana over over Ramsdale, who one they'll get massively swindled because he won't he would be worth the that much uh, as much as Sheffield are valuing him. Then Andre Onana is on the cheap compared to Aaron Ramsdale and is a far better keeper than Aaron Ramsdale. Another signing that went under the radar was Patson Daka going to Leicester City and this is such a Leicester City move because Leicester do the business under the water and it's 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 nothing you never hear anything of it until the last day when the papers are being signed and Patson Daka proper proper um, proper proper player for Leicester to sign and they have been doing this for the past few years and it has been working for them their recruitment has absolutely done bits for them talking about talking about recruitments that have been good United are trying to sign Sancho which is a deal that has been dragged for the last two years and we are bloody tired of it can they just agree on the money and the mode of payment we just we just stopped seeing Fabrizio Romano's tweets because we are generally just tired of seeing the same things over and over and so United are about to land Sancho the deal they're saying is very close very close I'm assuming they're waiting for the Euros to end for them to make it official then yesterday Fulham mentioned they had parted ways with their manager Scott Parker at the worst possible time because we are in the middle of a very, two very good games yet that's the time they decide to mention it but they mentioned when they mentioned they were parting ways uh the croatia the croatia spain game was going on then when the france switzerland game was going on that's when bonmouth decided to announce they were signing on um that guy scott parker and so scott parker will be trying to get bonmouth into the um into the premier league next season after they failed to qualify this season we enter the final segment of the episode where we get to pick the player of the episode, the player of the week rather, and the goal of the week. So, for the goal of the week, um, it's a close contest because um, I had Luka Modric's goal against Scotland, then Paul Pogba's goal yesterday against um, Switzerland, then the other goal was um, Togan Hazard against um, against Portugal. So, this one. I will go with I will go with uh, Togan Hazard's goal. Yeah, I think I'll go with that one because the mo- one it was the winner. Then closely second, I'll pick the Paul Pogba one, despite them losing. But that capped off just just showed it was like the icing on the cake for Paul Pogba's performance throughout the the tournament. Then Luka Modric, they are very close by the way. They're very good goals, but they're very close. But Luka Modric uh, rounds off, so the goal of the week goes to Thorgan Hazard. Yeah. Then the player of the week, I will have to go with an outsider, Kasper Dolberg. Coming into the game, that was his first start in front of fans, and he did that to score two goals at a stadium he used to he used to play with because they played in Amsterdam, Amsterdam, and he used to play for Ajax. So I'll go with Kasper Dolberg because no one had him scoring uh, two very fantastic goals for um, Denmark. So Kasper Dolberg is the player of the week. We have come to the end of the Dugout Spody episode 3 of the Euros edition. 
and it's been wonderful ranting to you for the past um let me check 43 roughly 43 minutes and um if you've got managed to get this far massive thank you to you make sure you share this podcast to your friends your nuns like i said earlier before anyone who you can get your hands to even your class teacher anyone you can get your hands to make sure you share the, this podcast out to them and massive thank you for listening to this and i'll catch you once again next week on tuesday hopefully we get to see another round of absolutely bonkers games because it's awesome watching football and um yeah i'll see you next time